Hey, 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 it's another day for From the Inbox, the podcast. It's me, Kane, again. I I think we've met before. If not, you look just like my cousin. Sorry for the confusion. Welcome to a little mini episode of From the Inbox, the podcast. This time, I've got a fun little interview from Vancouver-based singer-songwriter Michaela Slinger. She recently put out her new single, Make You Sad, which, if you've been keeping up, was featured in the latest From the Inbox blog post and podcast. You can check out episode 10. Her and I talk about it. Plus, like a good psychology major that I am, I ask her about her childhood. And she answers. It's fun. Before we get started, don't forget to support the blog by grabbing some merch over at dustyorgan.com shop. Some fun winter bundles still available. Or visit us on Patreon or buymeacoffee.com. Just search Dusty Organ. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter. And you can follow Dusty Organ on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and now TikTok. And uh, that's enough blabbing for me. I don't want to get too into that sort of stuff. I'll save that for my regular episodes. So, time to eavesdrop on another conversation. This is an interview with Michaela Slinger. Hi, I'm Michaela Slinger. I'm an indie pop artist based in Vancouver and signed with 604 Records. Hello, Michaela. How are you doing today? I'm great. Happy to be here. Good. Yeah. Thanks for joining me on this uh, lovely, at least in Toronto, it's a nice snowy afternoon, but in Vancouver, where you're located, it is exceptionally warm relative to the rest of Canada. <laughs> I was going to say relative. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty much at sea level. So we were supposed to get snow, but it was a fake forecast for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. A little topsy-turvy on you um and the reason why i'm sitting down with you to talk uh with you is because you're releasing some new actually the reason why we're even talking right now is because you've already released some new music um your new single uh, make you sad which uh just came out then came out last week and the new music video just came out over the weekend and um now i understand that you are you've been doing music for a very long time before yes. I think you said before you even knew how to walk. Um, I remember you sh- you showed uh, you sent a clip over, but when you did the national anthem at the Vancouver Grizzlies NBA game like 20 years ago, at yep. just three. R.I.P. Year- to that team. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> last very long. I looked I I looked up the history of them. They did not last very long. Um, but you were three years old singing the national anthem in a sold out basketball game. How do you remember how that came about? Yeah, well, I got because I've I've chatted about this a bit and so my mom wanted to like set the record straight because I think she listened to me talk about it somewhere else yeah. and she was like this is really what happened um but I guess yeah like you know from the time I was talking and babbling as a little baby very young kid I was singing and like trying to sing along to melodies and in, in my car seat in the back of the car so that that's still true today I kind of hum and sing all of the time um much to the dismay of people that live around me um and so I guess my mom was on the phone with a friend who worked at the time for this NBA franchise in Vancouver and she was talking to him and I was probably just going like la 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 in the background the whole time and I think he finally was like what is that my mom was like oh it's Michaela she just sings all the time and I don't know if he was joking or or what, but he was like, oh, she's a singer. Okay, let's like put it to the test. Why, does she, why doesn't she sing the national anthem, you know, at, at the Grizzlies game? Because he worked for them. Yeah. And my mom was like, okay. So I guess her and my dad talked about it and they figured why not? It seemed like I had an affinity for singing and they were kind of like, 
figuring out who this little being was um, and thought it would be a good test as to whether or not, you know, maybe they should like put me in singing lessons or some kind of performing activity. So, you know, I ended up doing it and obviously liked it enough that they chose to enroll me in musical yeah. theater and vocal lessons. Because <laughs> that, that's a very brave thing to do at three years old. Just, you know, I'm sure most kids will just see the amount of people in the lights and just freeze up. But I know you had uh, in the video, there's like a woman, was that your, was mm -hmm. that your mom or your vocal teacher? Or? No, that was actually, she, she's probably about 10 years older than me. My dad's a, at the time, he's a principal now, but at the time he was a middle school teacher. So he had a student who was also a singer. So the idea was she, she was kind of my big buddy. So she came with me at the time. Oh, okay. I think she was 13. And then the, the plan was if I totally froze or choked, then she would grab the mic and she would take over and do the okay. anthem. Yeah, and you didn't you didn't uh, miss a beat. <laughs> just saying the whole thing, even amongst the applause and everything. I was, yeah, it's such a cute video, and I was so impressed as well. <laughs> and uh, I was gonna say, since was were you like the like the prodigy of the family? Like, is your family musical? You know, I think part of it. I I think well, the first thing is I'm lucky because sort of of this generation of my family, I'm the oldest. So between gotcha. me and the next kind of cousin in my family, there's about a a 15 year gap. So because oh, wow. I was the first of the new generation and like the first like little girl in a while, I think everyone was really excited and I got a lot of attention. So who knows, like shout out to middle and, you know, younger children. I know it's a different ball game, but for me as the eldest, there was a lot of eyes on me. And so I think if I had a natural affinity for performing, that was definitely nurtured because I had a totally, you know, wrapped audience. So at any yeah. time, it's like my four grandparents, my parents, my family, friends, my extended family. So I think it just kind of emerged. And my parents found a like a musical theater group locally to us just outside of Vancouver and, and put me in it. And I was lucky early on to be connected with some mentors in that mm -hmm. world who, you know, just like made sure I was taken care of because I was really little. But I, as you saw in the video, I didn't really have any fear. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they were making sure that I was okay. Going for it. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when you started, uh, like you started musical theater and stuff like that? I think I was four. I think oh, we started okay. probably the year after the Grizzlies performance when I was, you know, like old enough to to yeah. be enrolled. But my, like my family put me in swimming lessons at six months old. So I think it's kind of like no time like the present. Let's just get kids doing stuff and see what they pick up. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, I, other than the Grizzlies performance, is there is there like a memory a music memory of yours that's kind of the earliest one you can think of something from your childhood that you that really stood out for you yeah definitely i i'm so fortunate that i had so many between kind of like the musical theater performances that i did and then i also was connected to different kind of like charities and causes so i was also sort of a like a, a singer and performer in the city from the time i was about eight until 14 um and i think maybe through a music festival or a music competition i got connected to this sort of like italian opera group in vancouver called il destino oh, um wow. and so i was 10 and i got connected with them so i actually did a duet of the prayer you know that song that yeah with Andrea josh Bocelli groban does and, uh, or yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean there's Bocelli, lots of versions yeah, of versions. it yeah yeah so so that was kind of the first time where i think i just got a sense of like gigging and what that was like, because I remember I went to one of their houses. Obviously, my mom came because I was 10 yeah. um, and they were on the piano. We were figuring out the harmonies. I had to learn Italian. I can still sing the whole song, like the bridge that's wow. in unison Italian. And then I got to perform with them at the Stanley Theater, um, which is in Vancouver. And it's a beautiful venue. And, 
yeah, I just I just remember that performance because it was really exciting and it wasn't musical theater. It was kind of all about the the music and the song and, and the lyrics and the message. And yeah, I just like remember the audience applause. And I think there's a certain level of just shock when somebody's young and they they sound okay. So, you know, yeah. people were like, wow, really like big standing ovation. And I remember thinking that feeling was pretty addictive. It is like a drug. And the st- uh-huh. earlier you start, the deeper that sets in your brain that's for sure yeah well uh oh i started when i was three so i'm (laughs) stuck for life you're a life user yeah that's for sure (laughs) um and now you know how many years later 20 something years later you're still doing music and you're putting out your debut album this april Mm -hmm. which is uh very exciting but between now you know and your childhood obviously you know growing up coming of age and going through school and stuff like that there's a lot of questions and you know trying to coordinate your life and figure things out and from what i understand you you know did the normal route you graduated high school you went to college or university got a job you know did the whole nine to five thing and um i kind of want to know at one point because you decided to switch over to music full-time and i kind of want to understand what triggered that switch in your brain to be like you know what this isn't what i want to do i want to go back to making music yeah, great question. I I mean, I still did music throughout university, but it definitely wasn't my focus. And I actually went to university on like a part academic and a part athletic scholarship because I was going to play on the varsity soccer team the first year. Oh, nice. And I just really early on realized, A, not good enough at soccer. B, don't really care enough to get good. What I really want to do is more creative stuff. So I ended up writing for the school newspaper and I joined a cover band with my roommates. So I was kind of like coming into my creative identity and my writing identity, both in songwriting, but also in um, like mm-hmm. writing journalistically, which I thought for a while I might want to pursue. Um, so when I graduated, you know, I wasn't thinking about music as the focal point. It, it had always been in various levels of the foreground and the background of my life. And at that time, I thought I wanted to go into the nonprofit sector here and establish myself as a career professional. And I think even when I was younger, although I wanted to be on Broadway, I also was very fascinated by like seeing people walking down the street in a power suit with a a briefcase at lunchtime. So Mm. I didn't know there were many possible versions of myself and I didn't know which one was going to win. So I tried I tried out the like nonprofit self. I was a full time executive assistant at a nonprofit in Vancouver. Um, And, you know, like in theory, it was a really awesome starting point for me if that was the career I was going to pursue. But you asked me, you know, how did I know I wanted to make the switch? I just like it. Just, I just felt heavy. You know, I didn't feel like myself. I'd go to the office. I'd spend these days where I was pretty much alone in the office looking for things to do. And I'd kind of torture myself a little bit. I'd like be on Spotify and music blogs and magazines incessantly reading about these new artists and listening to what they were doing. And I was like, I think that I could do that, you know, and I was writing a lot by myself at home, but I had no pathway into the industry at all. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had some friends who were somewhat doing music as well, but I I would have had no idea how to release a song. Um, And then I wrote my first single, Flux, um, in my living room. I was supposed to be writing a big grant for the government um, for the nonprofit I worked for, but I was just getting distracted. I was writing a bunch. And when I wrote Flux, I was like, ooh, this feels different. Like this kind of feels like something I could actually release. It feels like a song that could be out. So I I managed to meet a producer through a friend, recorded the demo at his studio. And then I remember biking home from that session at like two in the morning. And the demo was pretty fully realized after that length of time. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, here we go again, right? It was that rush. I was like, whoa, 
the feeling of listening to your song that's been in your heart and your head and you you put it out there and it's fully realized i was like okay yep that's the feeling you know that i'm going to be chasing for a while and then it was a matter of getting all the other things in a row how am i going to make this happen how am i going to fund it i'm going to have to leave this job oh my god i've only been here for eight months <laughs> i'm a sellout <laughs> yeah well and then i guess the nice follow-up question is what did your how did your family react like were they obviously i'm hoping supportive but i'm sure there was some you know bigger questions being asked like how do you, like you already asked like how are you going to do this how are you going to fund this what are you going to where are you going to live what are you going to do completely i mean i think I have a unique situation in that I think a lot of artists sort of have to, you know, convince or constantly prove what they do to their families. But when I would call my grandparents, you know, working at my nonprofit job, they'd be like, are you, are you singing again? Are you doing music? Like, why aren't you doing music? You know? So I think because they saw it throughout my life, they really equate being musical and being creative with me and, and who I am at, at my core. So it wasn't that they weren't supportive of my nonprofit stuff but they thought that I should definitely have music in my life in a bigger way. But of course, when I did quit and I told my family, I'm going to do contract work, you know, I'm going to be like pretty much a precarious worker in the nonprofit and education sector. Cause that's where I had work experience. They were apprehensive because I had a salary job. I had health benefits. I was 21. I just graduated yeah. university, you know, like, so I think they were nervous, but I think they also trust that I'll, I'll find my footing. Um, and I'm also lucky, like I don't live alone. I live with my partner and that makes a really big difference in a city like Vancouver or Toronto where it is so expensive um, and my family's nearby. So I always say, you know, if, if worst case scenario, I have a minimum of three households that would say, okay, come crash in the basement, fi yeah. find a job and we'll feed you, you know, so I'm, I'm super lucky that I have that safety net. I think it actually allows me the space to take risk. That's great. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is you're able to, A, you're able to take that risk and B, you're taking that risk. Cause I know a lot of people mm -hmm. are, you know, have that, if you know, think about like, Oh, I could do this. You know, I'm sure my parents will let me sleep in the basement for a bit, blah, blah, blah. And they just, you know, they never take that leap. And you know, that's especially at 21. That's, that's a pretty substantial thing because I know a lot of people around you, I'm sure were, you know, doing, you know, sticking to their nine to five, getting married, having kids. I always bring this up when I talk to people, mm -hmm. but like, you know, it's such an easy path to follow. And then, you know, having the tenacity to be like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try something different for, for now. And that song flux too, is a great introduction for your music and that transition, I think, because it's kind of all about change. Right. So completely, completely. Yeah. It's about, you know, feeling like you have absolutely no idea what you're doing and one second you want one thing and one second you disagree with yourself. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was very much, it, it kind of encapsulates that moment in time for me. That's great. And uh, do you remember the first live set that you played after you know, leaving your nine to five at the nonprofit? Yeah, I think I played a couple open mic shows around the city. This was before I'd even released Flux because from the time I recorded it to the time I put it out, it was about a year of trying to like make connections and figure out what I wanted to do. There's a couple small places. There's a, a cafe um, on the east side of Vancouver called Cafe du Soleil and they host really great open mics. So I played there a couple times. There's a like donut shop a couple blocks from the place where I live now that nice. I didn't open mic at. And, you know, these are like, I'd have my, a maybe my parents would come and one or two friends, maybe a couple friends would drop by on their way home for a couple songs. So it was very, very low key. Yeah. But once you were up there in front of the microphone, did you kind of feel that heaviness was like kind of all disappeared, I'm guessing? It's different. I think yeah, I was, I was fearless as a performer until I think until I hit puberty 
And then I just realized like, whoa, there's, there's people out there and everyone is interpreting what I'm doing and some people are going to like it and some people won't. And I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I obviously, I care a lot about what people think. And I think part of that is, is the world sort of telling you that that's what matters. So I've had to kind of align my artist compass with like, you don't actually need all seven or 8 billion people in the world to like what you do. You need to build really meaningful connections with that first hundred people, that first 500 people, right? That's, that's what grows and nurtures a lifelong career. Um, But I definitely get nervous and it's a different ball game performing your own songs than it is playing a role in, in theater or singing someone else's songs. So even though I had so much stage experience, I'd never had stage experience where I was fully myself, just like playing these songs that I wrote for people. So it was different for sure. There are nerves. There still are. Uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I don't think nerves are ever going to go away, but nerves are very important because I'm sure that mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, push you in the right direction. You kind of need that um, going forward. Yeah. And now that you're kind of more situated in your path as a musician, because I you just recently signed a 604 Records in Vancouver last year, which is yeah. a big thing. Congratulations. I know that they helped launch, was it Carly Rae Jepsen? And yeah. uh, oh, there was somebody else too that was fairly substantial. But yeah, they're, they're you know, very notable record label in Vancouver, which is exciting. And um, so this new song, Make You Sad, we're com- finally coming back around to this this track. <laughs> um, it's a it's a very nice tune. I got, I, there was one part of it, uh, I think right before you go into the chorus, that reminded me so much of Fleetwood Mac, um, the song Ooh. Everywhere. You know oh, do you know how much I love that song? Yeah. That is such a compliment. <laughs> I think it's, not to get technical, but I think just like the, go into like a perfect fifth into the, to the chorus and it just, it sounds so much like uh, that chorus on Everywhere. And I was like, oh. This is it is that it. like the, oh. Ah, yeah, that's da, it. That's da, 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 da. the one. Yep, yep. It reminds me so much of that. And um, I keep, I keep getting it stuck in my head. And uh, <laughs> it's a song about relationships, um, which is another important thing as, you know, as a, coming becoming musician and it's about your actually uh, let me let me let you explain it because I don't want (laughs) to take these words so what kind of open up about what make you sad is all about yeah well I guess make you sad the initial idea that I had because this was actually the only sort of like three-way co-write that I did with my two producers who produced my entire debut album most songs I would come in and I'd either fully written them or they might contribute like uh, a couple lyric ideas or they'd help me piece together the bridge but this was the only one where we did kind of nashville style where the three of us just got into a room we were going to make a song from scratch um and it obviously you know it turned out really well i think it's a pretty special song but the initial idea i had because i played a couple voice notes and this was what launched the song was those two opening lines so i just had a voice note you know what it actually was when i was in toronto um i think in in 2019 i I had the idea so it was the say you want to have a candid conversation doesn't seem like that and i played that for them they were like okay let's let's go with that so i had had a challenging conversation and then one of my co-writers louise burns she was also going through in her own life with one of her own relationships a challenging time about communication and communication breakdown and bringing past baggage into current conversation. So I think we were able to kind of, you know, blend our two experiences together to write something that felt personal to all three of us in the room. Um, but you know, it feels like every word I mean when I'm thinking about my specific situation, but I think it's the same for her. She feels like it totally relates to where she was at at that point in time too. Yeah. I was going to ask is, uh, how much of the song is based on like your own personal experience, but I, I feel like you just answered that question. Great. And so, um, 
and the music video, uh, which came out this past Friday as well, it's a nice, it kind of opens up the spectrum of relationships because most mm-hmm. people, you know, attribute that to a romantic setting, but mm-hmm. it can also be something a bit more, you know, platonic or family or any sorts of thing. And that music video uh, kind of widens that scope. Um, do you mind kind of explaining more? First off, people should go watch it and then this will all make more <laughs> sense, I should say. But uh, essentially it's, you know, this woman and this either maybe younger self or daughter or something kind of figuring out things. Um, how did that music video idea come to mind for you guys? Yeah, well, I want to make sure I, I shout out my my creative team because they've been making my music videos. They happen to all be like really close friends of mine, but they've been making my music videos since Flux before I was signed, before I had anything out, before That's I had so cool. literally yeah. a dollar budget. Seriously, I try I I tried to compensate them for their time because I had to pay what you can at the door when I released Flux. Um and we screened the video at their photography studio here in Vancouver and people just pitched in and I was like, oh, here you go. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they're all amazing. Um, so it was directed by Miranda McDougall, and then it was the cinematography and the editing was done by East Cherry, which is um, my friends Callum Gunn and Harry Hill and Ben Chick. Um, and there are some other folks involved too. But the story that's shown in the video kind of plays off the inspiration for the song. Like I actually, I mean, I, I do write about romantic relationships, but I also am quite inspired by family dynamics. And some of the songs in my record are even me putting myself in the shoes of other people's relationships. Um, I like leaving it broad enough that you can apply it to whatever relationship context you have. But I honestly think it would be boring to just write about romantic love all the time because I experience love in so many forms. And so this story was really important. I kind of created it with my like best friend and director, Miranda, and, and we were just chatting about the stories that often are not told, especially in a music video context. Like I think it would be really easy for me to be front and center and be the star the whole time and whatever, like dress in a leather suit and parade around. And that's fine. But I think there's a uh, kind of a gap in what we consume media wise of women who are over the age of like 30, you know, yeah. <laughs> and also where there's not really the cool thing about working with Miranda and also having everyone bring the vision to life is it, it's not necessarily catering to a specific gaze you know it's not like i don't i don't feel like i'm necessarily catering to the male gaze in my videos i'm just like genuinely trying to tell a story that is meaningful that i think will resonate with people across ages um so for that to work in this video i play the supporting character as you said and we have an incredible actor from vancouver who plays the lead she plays the protagonist who is this woman in her like early 50s kind of coming to terms with where she's at and missing her youth but also trying to find security and power in where she's at and she's already raised a family and she needs that closure of you know like things she wished she had said with her children and now her children are having children of their own so you know i think it's like in that spirit of the circle game by Joni mitchell but just like updated for now i love that song or john mayer stop this train like songs about aging and life cycles and reflecting on your life feeling like a kid but feeling 80 at the same time i'm always trying to tell those stories and i think this music video does that really beautifully especially because i wasn't the lead actor because uh i'm not a professional actor and and jennifer copping did an amazing job she, yeah she did i was that's the nice thing about music videos too when you take because obviously you put so much thought and careful detail into the story and mm-hmm. execution of it all. And, um, you know, to have you kind of more as a cameo role, like when you popped up outside the motel, I was like, oh, that's Michaela. That's, that's my, you, know, you know, you're kind of waiting for 
normally you're so used people are so used to seeing like the lead singer of the band or the the solo artist or whatever at the front like you're saying and it's nice to turn music videos more into like a medium of uh like an alternate story or alternate universe soundtracked yeah. by the song and I just, yeah. it's just so much more exciting and encompassing when you can turn that into something else which is great and you guys thank did a, you yeah you and your thank team you. did a fantastic job which is even they, better yeah, they're incredible friends of yours that's that's so special it is it honestly is is the most special thing i i trust them just to you know they they level me up and like elevate you know whatever i could come up with on my own and i think that's just the power of collaboration and also what they bring to the project is they didn't they don't do music videos they haven't done music videos for years right like they've done theater and film and tv and creating natural videos creating videos for realtors in vancouver like i feel like all of them bring such a, a wide breadth of experience that when it comes to this it's something really new and novel and we're all super stoked on it yeah such that's great to have such multidisciplinary friends that's such a great yes. word too multidisciplinary yes yes um and now you know kind of more open-ended questions but with your debut album coming out um obviously there's going to be more opportunities coming with that and have you kind of fantasized or thought about anyone you've ever wanted to really collaborate with to write songs with oh yeah i mean i've got you know i've got the levels in my head i think of like who who could i reach out to on instagram or like their management that might get back to me who maybe will get back to me if i you know get to go to la five times and i, I get to network myself you know but I'm, I'm always keeping my eyes and ears open and i think it's only the past few years where i've actually I start looking at song credits right on Spotify and I just mm -hmm. realize how many amazingly talented people there are. And it's not necessarily the artist that you want to work with, but it's their collaborative team or it's a writer who really speaks to you. But to not totally dodge the question and to give you some specifics, I'll dream big because you yeah, know what else are we going to do locked away? Like you got to you got to keep yourself motivated. My top artist that I listened to on Spotify last year was Emily King. Okay. Yeah. Saw her live. Um, I think she might have been the last show I saw live. She did an acoustic show here in Vancouver at a movie theater, um, the Rio Theater, which was very cool. Wow. Um, so I think what I what I love about her music is it's sort of this like soaring dream indie pop that I really like. But she when she did her acoustic tour, you know, the songs stand up in their own right just with her and her guitarist. So that's something that I definitely strive for as much as I one day hope to have you know like a really big kind of show production with a bunch of players and i've got my dance background and i like dancing in my videos i also always want to have a component where you know it's like me on a chair just with my guitar on a on a piano so i like that ability to like oscillate back and forth that she has um somebody new who i would love to collaborate with is arlo parks yes. out of the uk her She's new releasing... album just came out on friday yes. too yeah yes and um I think what I'm, I'm just drawn to her music because she's doing what I, you know, aspire to do in my songs, which is like a song like Caroline. The whole mm -hmm. song is about her witnessing something happening between a couple at a bus stop. Yeah. And it, that sounds very specific, but the, the way that she crafts the whole song around it, it kind of feels universal in a way. And even if you're not Caroline or you're not in a romantic relationship or you're not straight because it's about a man and a woman, like, I don't know. She's just doing something really special with her writing. Yeah, it is. That's a that's a cool thing about Arlo's music. Um, it just it kind of 
transcends the idea of being an experience, like a personal experience where it just becomes, because that song Caroline in particular, yeah, it's about, she's kind of like people watching. She's seeing these two people uh-huh. kind of bickering at a bus stop and she just writes this whole song about, you know, what they could be talking about or whatever. And it just, and she does it so wonderfully. And I feel like, you know, your music video for Make You Sad, it's it's kind of in that same realm where, you know, this woman, she's not a real person, but she becomes very real in this song. And um, it's something that can be so related, uh, so so relatable for so many people that it almost just becomes like, it's this weird, this weird juxtaposition where it's, it's feels so personal because you can draw it into yourself. And then at the same time, mm-hmm. it just expands to everybody, which I think is so wonderful about that type of songwriting. Yes. Um, that's, that's always the goal, you know, is don't write generally. Cause I don't think that's interesting personally. Like my heart has to be in a hundred percent. And then if I do that well enough, you, I think you kind of make that, that relevance leap, right. To mm-hmm. other people. And you also just like see the humanity in other people when I have um, people reaching out to be like, whoa, this song really resonates with me. It's like, wow, cool. We are having overlapping experiences in our different corners of the world. Yeah. Are you starting to now have people like strangers and stuff reaching out to you to be like, you know, your song uh, Flux or whatever made such a difference. I really enjoyed it. Has that started to kind of happen now, especially a few times, a few yeah. times, you know, like it's still early days, but there are a couple cool things like somebody I didn't know in the States. She made a, like a, I think it was a 2020 highlight reel and posted it and it was set to flux. Oh wow! So I watched it. I'm like, Whoa, I'm seeing all these snapshots of this person's life from this year. And my song is in the background. Like that was really, really cool. So little things like that are when people who, you know, message me out of the blue just to say hi and say thanks for the music. That means so much to me at this early stage because, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know them. They're not my friends and my family who I know are going to support me. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a whole different ball game is when, because obviously your family, assuming you're on good terms with your family, they're going to be, you know, supportive and tell you what you want to hear. And and maybe if they're nice enough, they'll tell you stuff that you might not want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, to get that sort of validation from external sources can be probably one of the weirdestly greatest feelings, even though, you know, we're always talking about like, don't let other people's opinions of you or thoughts kind of get to you. But when they agree with you, eh, that's, that's something nice. Yeah. Totally. Even if it's just a couple people and you get that, that feedback loop, it's like, okay, great. This has meaning to somebody other than just myself. Great. Then I think that's worth pursuing because I don't know. I don't think any of us should do anything for purely personal gains alone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've got Especially I've got a big stake yeah. in this, but but yeah, I, I really hope that my music can be the the soundtrack or the the message for somebody to decode what's happening in their own life. Yeah. Well, here we go. Maybe make you sad will soundtrack somebody's either very important discussion with a partner or maybe a breakup reel could be any of the above yeah post your breakup live on instagram and put my song in the background just kidding don't do that be present well yeah be present but also maybe have somebody film it for us because that that sounds very entertaining that sounds like good television yeah it's like the new wave proposal videos now there's going to be like breakup videos you know uh, happening on tiktok oh, maybe before viral actually i saw something like that on um on my instagram some viral video of this couple this young couple i think it was in china and the guy's like it, it felt kind of staged to be honest with you uh-huh you never but, know yeah you never know now it's so hard but the guy's this he's talking about how rich he is and how much he could buy all these he's like i can buy you like six of these cars for you like all this stuff and everyone's around like it's in public downtown somewhere 
And the girl's like, no, it's not about how rich you are. And it just felt like, whoa, <laughs> if this is real, this, this is good. This is good stuff. If this is real. So not to make flight of somebody's heartbreak, but. Um, so, yeah. So interesting yeah, might, how we watch every moment of everyone's life, you know, or we have yeah. access to it if we want. And at least you're making, you know, people like you and Arla Parks are turning it into a creative outlet at least. So that's uh, that's a nice thing for sure. Um, and so this new album, Jeff, have you announced the title of the new album? I don't want to give anything away. Well, I haven't announced it yet, but I, I know what it is. Okay, so you know what it is. That's important. Okay, I, I know what it to... is. Well, I'll just tell you because it's exciting. I'm, I'm really excited. It's called Panorama. It's my Panorama. debut album. It's out in April. Yeah. That's great. That's a great month. That's Thank my birthday you. month. That's why I said that. There you go. So listeners, remember to wish me happy birthday in April. That's the point of the story. <laughs> While you're listening to Panorama. While you're listening. Yeah, there you go. That's the soundtrack <laughs> to my birthday. Um, and you can find uh, Michaela Slinger's music on Spotify, YouTube, obviously, Apple. Um, follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Just nice and easy. Michaela Slinger, right? Michaela Slinger. Yeah. People always roll That's their easy. eyes if they know me. And I, I give this little reminder, but it's Michael with an A and Singer with an L. Yeah. And you yeah. put L and A together, you get LA, which is maybe the future of your career. There you go. Or a stopover point. I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful to live where I live, but definitely places like Toronto and LA and London um, and New York when, when the time is right and it's safe to do so, would love to get to those places and be inspired. Yeah. Well, well fortunately, Vancouver, I must say, has one of the best Canadian music scenes, I think, personally. Yeah, yeah, of course. That was not me trying to slight Vancouver yeah. <laughs> in any way. But you know, it's like wherever I think it is important yeah. to kind of get outside of your your space. Like I did write a few songs for Panorama when I was in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And part of that was because I had the time um, when I was there two summers ago. But also I think just like being in a new setting, it kind of shakes you out of your routine and really cool things can happen creatively. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, um, thank you very much, Michaela, for sitting down with me. Don't forget to check out her new single, Make You Sad, and the music video, which I, you know, am very fond of. Um, and her new album, Panorama, will be out in April as well. Well, thank thanks you. So uh, thanks again, Michaela. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our little chat. If you'd like to watch the video of three-year-old Michaela Slinger singing at an NBA game, you can find the link in the description and on the interview post itself on the website. Head over to DustyOrgan.com to find it there. It is so cute. Oh my God, she does such a great job. Of course, that was 20-something years ago. Anyways, I'm not very good at goodbyes. So, goodbye. <laughs>